apps can do a lot of cool things. You could order dinner, gamble on your favorite team, and track your health. You could even get a mortgage. One click and you can be approved. I'm not sure by who or what country they're in. You deserve more from the mortgage industry. At AnyMac Home Mortgage, we believe in the need for live human interaction during a very complex process. The kind of service and guidance which an app simply can't provide. Our customers are more than credit scores and income documents. They're individuals and families who live in and strengthen our communities. Their story is our story, and that story begins in a home. Chris Sawyer is an expert on providing superior customer service and in meeting the mortgage needs of current and future home buyers. With over 18 years of experience in the industry, Chris is able to help customers migrate through the home buying and home financing process by using his wealth of knowledge as a well-qualified mortgage professional. And best of all, Chris is located in Cromwell, Connecticut, where he has helped hundreds of clients in Connecticut, Massachusetts, and Rhode Island make their dreams of home ownership a reality. Visit chrissawyer.annie-mac.com, email him at csawyer at annie-mac.com, or give him a call, 860-878-8730. Chris Sawyer, NMLS number 39345, corporate NMLS number 338923, Mac Home Mortgage and Equal Housing Lender, American Neighborhood Mortgage Acceptance Company, LLC, DBA, Mac Home Mortgage, Lo-Fi Direct, Connecticut First Mortgage Correspondent, License Lender, Broker Number, ML 338923. Jones, first down, wide open, it's Barkley! And Saquon Barkley will take it into the end zone. Your best ability is his availability. Saquon Barkley, he's great when he's on the field, but the problem is since 2018, he hasn't been healthy for this team. Look at this. They lob it to him. He taps it in off the glass. How about that? Porter Moser, I think right now, is the best coach of college basketball. Hands down. Finch, two for three. He's done his part. Pitch is drilled to deep right field toward the pole, and it is... God. They don't mind not being what they were in the 90s as the best organization in baseball. Because the Yankees are not. They're even close to the best organization in baseball. They're trying to be the Rays. And the Rays do this for a reason. Like, you're the Yankees. Welcome to Sports Talk with RJ. I'm Steve Risser, along with Justin Anafrio. And the NBA offseason just continues to roll. As yesterday, the Jazz, are, the jazz now are taking our... Uh, are starting to consider uh, trading Donovan Mitchell. Uh, I mean, a couple weeks ago, they traded Rudy Grobert. Now they're considering trading Donovan Mitchell. So I would not be surprised if uh, if the Jazz trade Donovan Mitchell. Uh, and and really, for me, there, there there's three teams there for that potentially. I think would get Donovan would, would get Donovan Mitchell. My three teams: number one, I think all the buzz is a all the buzz is. is, is Talking about what everyone's talking about this one, it's the Knicks. It's the Knicks. But if the Knicks do want to get rid of, uh, do do want to trade for Donovan Mitchell, they're definitely gonna have to get rid of RJ Barrett. They're probably gonna have to get rid of Evan Fortier, and there's gonna have to be and, and probably at least three first round picks if they're gonna make this deal. But as a Knicks fan, I wouldn't mind them making this deal because I want to have a guy that I know is gonna be a, a top elite player in this league. RJ Barrett, we're hoping for that. But for me as a Knicks fan, I want to know if I'm gonna have an elite player. And you're going to have that in Donovan Mitchell. My second team is the Heat, and the Heat. But I don't know. If, really, the, the best player the Heat can give up is uh, is uh, Tyler Hero. That's the problem with the Heat. That's the second. That, that's the player they have to give up. They have to give up a bunch of picks. But he would be a really good addition. You had him with Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. That would be a really, really good addition for the Miami Heat. And my third team is kind of a sleeper team. Is the New Orleans Pelicans. Even though I think they're going to have to give up C.J. McCollum or Brandon Ingram. If you have 
you know, either Ingram or McCollum uh, and Zion, and then you add uh, Donovan Mitchell, that's a really good fit three at a team that could contend in the Western Conference. So my three teams, my best three landing spots for Donovan Mitchell are the, uh, are the, are the Knicks, the Heat, and the Pelicans. Justin, uh, what are your three best landing spots for Mitchell? Yeah, I, I have the same three teams do the Knicks. I think you know makes some sense. He's from New York. You know, maybe that was a reason why the Knicks kind of um trade to the Thunder there for for their pick in the first round because they got three, you know, draft picks back, trying to add some assets, maybe use most of those there to try to acquire Donovan Mitchell. I think that's totally possible. Um so yeah, I think you know the Knicks could make it would make a lot of sense in this one. Also, yeah, the Miami Heat. Adding him with Jimmy Butler, I think, would be a really good one. Um, really good addition for that team. With Tyler, yeah, you know, best player probably Tyler Hero. You have to give up a bunch of picks, but I think Miami can find figure find find figure a way to figure that out. Uh, it'd be a good addition. And then yeah, for the Pelicans as well, you you definitely probably have to give up an Ingram or CJ McCollum to get that deal done. But yeah, as we mentioned last week, kind of making that splash there for Zion Williamson. They can't get KD the Pelicans. You know, Donovan Mitchell is. A, is another great option to have there. And I could totally see the the Pelican trying to make that splash there and acquiring Don Mitchell um to go with Zion Williamson. Oh absolutely, absolutely. I, I could see I could see that. That'd be a really, really good pickup. And you brought the New York roots for Donovan Mitchell. He's from New York. The Knicks need a top player. If the Knicks want to compete with the Bucks, they want to compete with the Celtics, they want to compete with the Sixers. They want to compete with those and even the Miami Heat. They want to compete with those top teams in the East. They need that guy. They were hoping R.J. Barrett was going to be that guy. It, it, I mean, he, he's he been good. He's not been great. The Knicks need that guy. Donovan Mitchell would be that guy. Oh, absolutely. Because the, the Knicks haven't figured out in the draft either. They have not. It's been many, many years since they've, you know, since they've really drafted a guy to lead this organization and be the star that, they, that they've wanted. It, it's, been, it's been forever, you know, so – yeah, so for the Knicks, it, you know, if you could trade a guy like this for Donovan Mitchell and a guy to that, they'd finally have a guy to in the Knicks that, you know, personality-wise and all that is going to kind of t- cater to what some other kind of NBA um, superstars want to kind of go and want to play with a Donovan Mitchell. I think you could bring that to the Knicks. Cause I think that's been something the Knicks have been missing too for a while. They have not been able to bring those stars in. I think partially because of that is they have not had many stars in the recent past. And you bring a guy like Mitchell, I bet there's going to be a lot of guys that would love to play with him. Oh, absolutely. I think I think that'd be a great tool to get it Donovan Mitchell here, and that would definitely you know get guys to want to play with the Knicks. Because like KD said, like a couple of years ago, the Knicks aren't what they used to be. Stars don't want to go there. If you can get Donovan Mitchell to go there, you start winning. You start winning. You win a couple of playoff series. You're definitely going to get people to want to go there. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's it's New York. It's a garden. You know, everybody loves playing at Madison Square Garden. You know, you can acquire that top guy. Then absolutely, hey, people are going to kind of try to want, want to go play for your team and, and go play with a guy like Donovan Mitchell and go play with that organization, you know, and play in a huge market like New York. I think a lot of guys would cater to that, you know, kind of cater to that if you can get a guy like Donovan Mitchell on, your, on, on the Knicks. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that would be a really, really, that'd be a really, really good pickup for that team. And and, I mean, if you looked, we talked about the Pelicans, obviously with, with, uh, with Zion, but in the Miami heat, if the, if the Miami heat could, could, could acquire Donovan Mitchell, I'd probably put them. I definitely, I probably put them ahead of the Celtics and I might even put them ahead of the Bucks. 
Yeah, I'd probably put them as the best team in the Eastern Conference as well. Um, you had him with the you know, you got Bam out of bio probably. He you know, um, probably keep him and then with Jimmy Butler, I think with that with that core right there, I, I think that would be the best one because Butler is a guy too in the playoffs. He's gonna do whatever it takes to win it. You could add a guy to side like a Donovan Mitchell, another superstar. Um, and Bam out of bio, you know, again, not great offensively, but it's really solid defense down low defensively in that end of the floor. I think Miami would be the team to beat in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, it would be very close. If they get Donovan Mitchell, it would be very, very, very close between them and the Milwaukee Bucks. But we got to move on to another player, and that's Kevin Durant. And really, this was kind of a slow week for Durant. But still, the Miami Heat and the Phoenix Suns still on top of his wish list. Very, very slow week for Kevin Durant, though. But if you're the Nets, you're doing the right thing, holding out, not getting rid of him quickly. I mean, you have the leverage here. The Nets have the leverage with KD and Kyrie, and I think they're doing the right thing, not trading them, not trading them right now. Yeah, absolutely. They take their time and get the best offer that they want. Not, not the you know, if it doesn't come from the two teams that they don't want to go to, or the two teams that you know KD wants to go to, like the Heat or Suns, they don't give you the best offer. You know, don't trade them there till 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 that. You know, uh, don't don't trade them till you know trade or. Trade them whenever you, you get the best deal. It doesn't matter where. You know, you, you got all the leverage. I think it's smart by the Nets. And I think, you know, the NBA, I you got to start. Some of these owners have to, and these GMs got to start, or the front office as a whole got to start kind of putting their foot down for these superstars. It's kind of, you know, where they're not going to be able to run, you know, not going to be able to step all over them. And when they want to get a trade, that it's not going to be to the destination that they made may want to go to if it's not the best deal. So yeah, for KD, it's been a slow week. We mentioned it's probably going to take a while for this trade to happen. Um, but yeah, smart by the Nets. It's, they definitely have to take their time here and find the best deal because, you know, some, some teams going to get Kevin Durant for the next four years. So the Nets could really help mortgage their future here, um, you know, by, by waiting for that deal to get – for that best deal to come in. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, you you definitely want that deal. You definitely, yeah, you want that. You want you want the best deal. You want the best deal possible. And if the and I think I said this. I think we both said this that if the Nets continue, this this is probably going to go on till you know the beginning of August because they they want the best deal. I mean, if the Nets just get rid of Katie this quickly, you know, then then they'll be known as the, this this super team they put together be known as one of the biggest failures in history. Not even only in the history of the NBA, but in the history of sports. So for them waiting and trying to figure this out figure this whole thing out with KD and Kyrie. I think it's very, very smart for them. A lot of people say, oh, it might be awkward. I think it's smart for them to try to figure this thing, to, to, to try to figure this thing out. Yeah, I definitely think it's smart for them to figure out. Yeah, and I think we you know, because, um, yeah, you got a guy like a superstar like Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, you know, and I think we both mentioned this too last week about Gobert. You got, you know, the, the Jazz got four first-round picks for Rudy Gobert. You know, what, you know, Kevin Durant could get – doubled the amount of what Rudy Gobert got. So, yeah, for the Nets, I think they could, you know, really hit it out of the park here and really establish their future and kind of rebuild and hope to start over. Because, again, yeah, they got, you know, again, the stuff with, you know, Pierce and Katie and Kevin Garnett about a decade ago didn't work. Now this is all over again. You got to kind of show that your organization is not a laughing stock. And you got to kind of show, too, that players aren't going to just walk all over your kind of, your, your your team so yeah i think for the nets it's it's smart to kind of let this play out and kind of just take your time and as you mentioned they have the leverage so 
they had more time they, they need it. again if they're gonna sit out let them sit out you know just wait on until that best offer that comes in you're definitely a fan of the team having the leverage you like you like the team having right. the leverage yeah i do you know again i don't think it's good for the sport that all these superstars want to get out and, and if the and if the owners or gms kind of tailor to that and kind of just let them walk over it just it you know again it, i I'll be honest. Like, I think if you're a GM or owner, it's tough to sign some of these guys of four or five years because they may want to get out in a year or two. You know, I, I guess it could help you have them locked in for another couple of years for trade value. But if a lot of these guys, if it doesn't work out one year, they may just want to get the heck out of there. So I think it's tough. And I think the owners and GMs got to kind of late, you know, make kind of at times know that let the players know, hey, you know, we're still kind of in charge here. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Moving on to another uh, team that has leverage. The, the Lakers got leverage on West, Russell Westbrook. I mean, he's got that forty-seven million dollar contract. He's got, he's, he, I think, he's got that, he's got that huge deal. But uh, so, and, and him and LeBron right now at summer, they were at summer league th- this week, and uh, I think he opted into that forty. He opted into that forty-seven million dollar deal, right? Yeah. So he opted yeah. into that deal. And him and LeBron were at Summer League, and they did not speak. And last year, they were so connected to each other. It's weird how they were so connected. And now they don't even, they don't even speak. They didn't even speak at Summer League. They didn't even talk to each other. It's, it's, just, it's just so weird. And, uh, and I, think, I think Westbrook has got to go. I think he – but the problem is the Lakers, really, they can't trade him. They can't trade him anywhere. So it's, it's, it's going to be very, very difficult for the Lakers to trade. Really, the only trade you could see is, is – uh, is Kyrie is is them trading Kyrie Irving for Russell Westbrook? That's really the only trade because no one's going to take Westbrook. No one's going to take that forty-seven million dollars. No one's taking that. No, absolutely no. It was a yeah, it was awkward between those two. But I, I think LeBron finally realized the mistake he made. Um, he'll probably never admit it, but I think he, you know, probably wishes he got Buddy Heald instead of Russell Westbrook. Um, but yeah, you know Westbrook. Um, yeah, the opting in there, it's. Again, didn't work out. Yeah, because right now the only yeah the only team that sounds like you know, is the Nets. I thought no, I don't. Before you know, Wall kind of got the buyout with with the Rockets. You thought maybe that would be another option, but why would the Rockets? I don't think the Rockets would you know want Russell West Russell Westbrook back. Um, but yeah, I just this is um, it's just that yeah, it's a bad situation. There, I think it's the only option here is getting rid of or for these it. For Westbrook, is he's got to go to Brooklyn. And I think you were the one mentioned last week of then, yeah, then probably Brooklyn, you know, buys him out and we'll see what happens there. Um, but yeah, I think it's the only really trade you can make. And LeBron, I think I know I mentioned last week, but LeBron, and yeah, and what, like, what other assets do the Lakers really have to give the Nets either? They don't have a ton either. Um, you know, I, they may have a couple kind of first round picks there. But like other than that, there's not a ton of assets else that the Lakers kind of give the Nets here, which I think could also kind of take some time here to kind of soaring me for the Lakers kind of get a couple other assets here because there's no way the Nets are really just going to give up Kyrie for Westbrook and maybe like another player or two. They're probably going to want a pick or two as well, maybe three for a guy like Kyrie, maybe. Oh, they're going to at least want if they make that trade. The Lakers, if they if if, if the Nets make no, if the Nets make that trade. 
if, if, the net, if, they, if, they, if they trade Kyrie for Westbrook, they're going to want two first-round picks. They're going to want two first-round picks. Because even though as much as we criticize Kyrie, he's clearly the better player. If the Nets make that deal, they're going to want they want they're going to want want two first round picks from the Lakers. And if you're the Lakers, I mean, LeBron he doesn't care about first round picks uh, five years from now. I think if you're the Lakers, you got to make that deal. Even though Kyrie can be a distraction, you saw before Kyrie and LeBron won a championship. If they stay healthy, I'm not going to say they're the favorite, but they are a contender in the West. Yeah, they definitely will be a contender. Adding Kyrie, yeah, the issue is can they stay on the floor? Can Anthony Davis stay on the floor? Assuming he comes back to the Lakers, which I think he probably does, he probably he probably will. Um, yeah, because yeah, Kyrie's like I I always says about Kyrie. Kyrie's a great player when he's on the floor. I think he could be one of the best point guards. He's one of the top point guards in the league. I think he could be if he reaches full potential. Because you saw the game against Orlando, he put up sixty points. Like this, he could be one of the top players in the sport. But he just never plays enough games. And if you can get him on the floor for enough games, LeBron stay healthy long enough. I definitely think the Lakers could go on a, on a go on a run in the Western Conference and make it and have a chance to make the finals. So, you know, with those two staying healthy, and you could add if you could also add in a healthy Anthony Davis, they they absolutely are one of the top teams of the Western Conference. So, yeah, the Lakers, you know, definitely you have one more shot with LeBron trying to get another ring, um, bringing Kyrie. So, yeah, you know, the Nets are definitely going to want a lot here. For, for both, um, you know, obviously KD and Kyrie. Oh, absolutely. Without, without question, without question. And, you know, for the Lakers, they got a new coach. So if you, if, if they, if it's a new coach, Darwin Ham, we'll see what ends up happening. I know he's defended Westbrook a lot, but we'll see what ends up happening there. But it should be very interesting to see what the Lakers do with Westbrook, because I, I really feel like there's really one trade the Lakers, there's one way the Lakers could get rid of Westbrook and there's one way the Nets could get rid of Kyrie. And it's just swapping the two of them. Like, not, completely swapping the two of them, but trading the two of them and the Nets and the Lakers giving the Nets picks. Yeah, I think that that's probably going to happen. I think, you know, if the Nets, you know, probably do that. They can get a couple first rounders out of them. I think, yeah, you definitely do that if you're in the Nets. Um, you know, that again, that the, so trying to, yeah, it's trying to just get that future kind of better there for, for them with KD, trying to get some young guys. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, it, it makes the most sense there at the Lakers and Nets at a figure out something. It's probably going to, you know, I don't think it'll, it'll be probably close to August or it's probably not going to happen closer to the beginning of the year or to the new NBA year, new season, um, as well. But, uh, yeah, I think Lakers and Nets make probably the most sense there that they'll, they'll get something done. Yeah, I, I think, I think, I think they're going to eventually get something done. But we'll wrap up talking NBA, talking about the play-in tournament. It's back. I think it's going to be back for a while, and I'm happy about it. I like the play-in tournament. I think those games are exciting, especially those, you know, winner t- those games where, where, where you have to win to advance. I think those are really, really exciting. So I think the NBA, you know, it kind of – because of COVID, they started this. But they kind of accidentally started this. But this became really, really a fun thing to watch the, to watch this play-in tournament. Yeah, you know, it, it has. I think, you know – kind of having the elimination format. And I think that's part of the reason why March Madness does so well is bringing that elimination best uh, – because everybody loves kind of that one game, you know, the NFL playoffs as well when it's just a one-game series. Um, you know, that's kind of the – you know, everybody kind of enjoys that. So I think it's it has been good. The only issue I would say with it is sometimes you get those nine or, or you know, ten seeds that could have like 35 wins and somehow sneak in – you know, and they could get an eight seed and they get absolutely swept in the first round. 
I know that could happen with AC too. That's like the only thing is um, maybe some teams kind of there at the bottom are not very competitive. They kind of sneak in, but other than that, yeah, it's been a pretty good, um, you know, playing tournament. It seems like it's been pretty successful. So it seems like a pretty good idea for the NBA to continue to use it. Oh, without question, without question. I'm really excited to see that, to see the playing tournament happen going forward. But the Yankees have started to struggle. I mean, they've lost three in a row. But before we talk about that, we're going to hear from our friends at JPEG Financial. Do you have a 401k and some savings for future retirement, but don't even know if it's enough to live off of? How much is enough? How often are you thinking about it? The team at JPEG's Financial Group can help set your mind at ease. We specialize in creating strategies in the planning and managing of your financial, educational, and investment needs. We help clients pursue their investment goals with sound financial strategies. You deserve a personal, tailored plan. Lasting, meaningful, and open relationships are the foundation of our practice. You've worked hard for your money and should feel confident in your investment choices as you make decisions for your financial future. Your goals are our goals. We are dedicated to your needs and hopes for your future. Visit our website and give us a call at 860-430-5397. Securities offered through Raymond James Financial Services, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Raymond James Financial Services Advisors, Inc. JPEX Financial Group, LLC is not a registered broker-dealer and is independent of Raymond James Financial Services. JPEX Financial Group is located at 78 Eastern Boulevard, Glastonbury, Connecticut. So last night, the Yankees lost a... Yeah, um, lost Steve there for a second, but yeah, um, he's about to mention the Yankees lose another one last night. That makes it three straight losses for him after a nice start there in Fenway to the weekend, where winning Friday, Saturday. Um, they fall short Saturday, Sunday, bullpen kind of blowing up Saturday night and Sunday night as well. Yeah, I'm back. back here. Yeah, I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. What, 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 were, you, what were you talking about? Were you talking about uh, uh, weekend or? Yeah, I was sorry to talk about the weekend, how the bullpen kind of, you know, exploded there Saturday night and how really for the first time, and it seemed like Boone kind of took his foot off the gas there as I was thinking maybe if the if the series or if the Yankees did not have as big of a lead in the AL East that Holmes, Clay Holmes probably closed that up with that game Saturday night. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, I think if they had a bigger lead, Clay Holmes would have closed out the game. But the, really the big story was last night with Clay, last night with Clay Holmes. Clay Holmes was absolutely terrible last night. And I think the big question we got to ask is, is the concern. Do we have any concern with the Yankee bullpen? You saw Peralta, you saw Clay Holmes. Is there, do we really have any concern with the, with, with the bullpen? I'm going to absolutely say no. I'm, I'm going to say no. I know Peralta and Clay Holmes blew two, the, blew games two of the last three nights, but I don't have any concern with the bullpen right now. No, I, no, I'm there with you. I think the track record has shown that the bullpen's been fine all year. Again, if you can get Chapman somehow back on track, and I know that's probably a big if at this point, but we've seen when Chapman could be on, he could be a very nice piece. Loisica's, you know, doing some rehab assignments right now, so like you could get Loisica back after the All Star break. No, so I think the Yankees bullpen, I'm not. Uh, I'm okay with it. Now it'd be nice if some of these starters can get past five innings, and I was gonna. You know, I'll I'll say this question. You know, for you know, for in a little bit, we talk more about the when we kind of get into the starters and all that. But um, yeah, I think right now I'm not too worried about the bullpen right now. 
No, I mean, yeah, it happens. This stuff happens in baseball. They've got 162 games. I'm not going to freak out. I know there's some Yankees fans that are going to say, oh, this is ridiculous. But, uh, yes, I'll admit, last night was the worst loss of the season. They had a three. Nobody thought they were going to lose that game. They were up 3 nothing in the ninth inning against a bad team. No one thought the Yankees were going to lose last night. But I'm not freaking out because it's a 162-game season. I'm not going to freak out over a loss last night. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I know the bullpen has struggled the last couple of days, but I'm, but, but I'm, but I'm not freaking out. No, I'm not either. I'm, I'm just because um, the only thing I'm a little bit worried about is that the Astros have been playing so well too, and they're only three games back now at first place. And you know, and I'll say this too because I just worry, you know, about Houston because. I, now, I know game six and game seven, if, if they play in the LCS, Houston's not going to be afraid to come into Yankee Stadium in those two games. But I worry about the Yankees having to play there in a game six and game seven if they can get it done. So, like, I'm a little bit like, okay, like, we kind of – I know, like, the vision, they're all set there, but I do worry a little bit about getting home field advantage, you know, in the playoffs. I do worry about going to Houston um, in a game six and game seven. I'd much rather have that Yankee Stadium. And that's, that's a legitimate concern because the last because the last time they played in a you know they played they played they lost that game seven in 2017 and they lost that uh that that uh game six on that game winning home run by Altuve in 2019. So that's a legitimate concern having home field. I think having home field can be very big if they if they play a series play in a series against the Astros. Yeah, I think I think could now I know the Astros won't be intimidated either. Like they're they're not scared of the Yankees. I completely understand that. But yeah, I'd rather have the last ups and I'd rather have the home crowd there. Um, you know, at Yankee Stadium in a must win game six, game seven. So yeah, absolutely. I yeah, you know, we kind of saw 19 kind of got blown up there. You know, Chapman 17, we know what happened. So yeah, I'd much rather have it this time be the you know, the two deciding games be at Yankee Stadium instead of Minimate. Oh, oh, without without a doubt, you definitely definitely want those two deciding games to be at Yankee Stadium. So now I know Justin started to recap a little bit of this weekend, but we'll we'll circle back to this weekend against the Red Sox where they they split. We predicted to be a split between the two teams, but but uh, as on uh, on on obviously Friday uh, Thursday and Friday, the Yankees won the first the one won the first two. Then Saturday it looked like they were going to win, and they gave up a five three lead in the in the in the last inning, and then Sunday they lose eleven six. And I got three takeaways for the Yankees from this series. My first takeaway is guys are continuing to step up. Josh Donaldson, that grand slam on Thursday night. Uh, Josh Donaldson again on Friday, that three-run homer. Uh, Matt Carpenter hitting those hitting those home hitting those a home run, hitting two home runs in the series. So they're they're getting the Yankees are still getting contributions from everyone. The issue though for me uh, is is obviously what we just talked about was the bullpen. The bullpen has I'm not concerned about it, but it was an issue. It was an issue. Uh, it was an issue uh, during the Red Sox series, and it was an issue last night. And then number three is the starting rotation. The starting rotation really struggled in the series. Garrett Cole didn't pitch well. Nestor Cortez struggled. And then Davison Tyone, who has really been struggling. I mean, his ERA was at, like, his, his last four starts, he's been he's been bad. His ERA was 2.7. I mean, it's not some, worth something to complain about if one starting pitcher is not pitching well. We have four that are pitching well. But I'm just saying that Tyone's pitching his way out of this rotation because – uh, his, his, his ERA was at like 2.70 uh, about a month ago, and now it's like at, it's over four. So he's really not been pitching well at all. He had a six-two lead on a, on Sunday mm-hmm. night, and, and, and he couldn't and he couldn't hold it. So Tyone has not been pitching well. So those are those are my three takeaways from this weekend. Justin, what are your takeaways from the Yankees? Yeah, my first one was you know 
Saturday, Sunday, you looked at the 2021 team, the base running mistakes. Again, they haven't done that much all year. You know, Rizzo, I didn't get Rizzo stolen base or even Kyle, like Rizzo, like they were pounding, um, oh my God, the 10th in there on Saturday night. And you let, and you, and Rizzo's kind of stealing third there. You, you give him a break there. Like they, you know, um, that was a bad decision there. I know he was, I think, seven for seven going in. He guess you, that was his first career stolen base attempt. You know, you got thrown out there a couple of times. It makes maybe a little bit difference. The bullpen kind of was so far. The defense, you know, I know LeMahieu was two tough plays there, but that's, I thought that was more of both of those were Aaron Judge's balls, but he called them off there. Um, so the last couple of nights here, even last night, you, you wanted to go in the last night as well. You looked like the 2021 team as well. And, and pitching staff, yeah, the pitching, the starting pitching staff, I think, you you, know, you like them to go a little bit deeper. Now, I'll ask you this too. At this point, would you rather get another starting pitcher or would you rather go outfielder? And my, my third point was, you know, with Carpenter, if he can play outfield every day, I'd go, I'd go get yourself another start. I would love to have an Andrew Benatendi, but I'd probably go uh, another starter at the moment because I, I – yeah, I com- I completely agree with you there. I completely agree with you with with wanting another starting pitcher because yeah, the offense. Yeah, Joey Gallo is not hitting well. They're still first and run scored, and they've scored like thirty more runs than any other team in baseball. So they're first and run scored. Yeah, people complain about Joey Gallo is not hitting well. Joey Gallo is not hitting well. It doesn't matter. The team is first and run scored. Where I think they're going to need the help is and you and you said it is in the rotation. Yes, you can trust Cole and Severino, but the problem is you can't trust Tyone. I'm sorry, Tyone got hot, but you can't trust him. Cortez, yes, he's an all-star, but he's never proved it, and uh, he's never proved it for a full season. You, you, and Jordan Montgomery is good, but not great. So I definitely would add another starting pitcher. Yeah, I'm with you. I think. Yeah, I think at this point, I know we a lot of people talk outfield, and again, that would be nice. I like, and Andrew Benatini, I think, would fit perfectly with this offense. Because yeah, like Gal Gal has been awful, but it's not like Gal's killing us. like gal hasn't come out and like lost us four or five games i know he's not hit well at all he's on base in, in the month of july though was over 400 so if you want any you know oh, please so guys hitting 160 guys hitting 160 come on yeah. i mean yeah <laughs> the on base is good he's hitting 160 yeah he draws a walk that's about it so that you know that that's the problem yeah so it's not like he's going it again his defense is it's great for the most part i know last night kind of dropped on there but um yeah I, I just I think starter right now would be great you know I know like Luis Castillo is pitching tomorrow night so we'll get a good view I know you know he's been somebody that will probably get a lot of target I thought about maybe a Sydney guard he hasn't been great lately but he's been healthy one year but yeah I, I think you need a starter that can go more than five innings because again last year I think because I, I think part of the bullpen too is Maybe a couple of these guys are taxed a little bit. You know, Ron Marinaccio has kind of got the dead arm right now because these pitchers can only go five, six innings. Cole was great last night. You know, he got a, he threw 113 pitches last night. He, he pitched really well last night. But, um, you know, you would like to get another guy deeper or even go with a six-man rotation, you know, I think could maybe help too here um, kind of towards the end here. Maybe and kind of you'll be able to maybe – get a couple extra outs here from your stars you give them that extra day oh absolutely absolutely you want to and you want to save the arm especially with the lead you have you definitely want to save the arms so i'm definitely for a six-man rotation you definitely want to save these arms come september you want these arms to be as fresh as possible uh in the postseason 
Yeah, absolutely. And you already saw like Severino, like they he was supposed to pitch last night, but they kind of um they gave him the extra day so he could so he didn't have to pitch some last night and Sunday. He can just pitch tonight and then come back after the all-star break to start kind of saving some innings with Severino. So yeah, you know, I wonder if that could be something that happened with Tyone as well, because he just hasn't over his career, he hasn't thrown a ton of innings as well because he's always had to battle some injuries. So yeah, I think it could be kind of smart. Same thing with Nestor. Like, Nestor's not a guy that has to run a ton either. So, yeah, I, I think it could really help this team out, you know, in the month of September. Um, and even the – because they got guys in the minor league system too that kind of seem like they're ready as well. So, I think it could be a huge help there, you know, for this rotation. And and, and at some point too, these guys aren't all going to make dirty starts. Like, you're going to probably see at some point a couple of these guys – Miss a start two and go in the IL. It's just it, it's pretty it's impossible to see all five of these guys go make dirty starts this year. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, it's probably not gonna happen. But we'll move over to the Red Sox side of things. And my three takeaways from this weekend was uh the uh, first one was the way they battled back. They were down, they, they lost the first two games, down three one and three two going to the eighth inning, tied the game. Down five three going into the tenth inning, won the game. Verdugo got that big R, big RBI single. And then, on, and then on Sunday, down 4 nothing and 6-2, came back and won that league. So it was the way they battled back. That, that's, that's what the, that was my first takeaway. My second takeaway, though, was, is, was uh, the, the struggles of Nick – the way Nick Pavetta struggled on Sunday night. And this is, could be a problem for this team because he struggled against the Rays, he, he struggled against the Yankees, and, 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 and the good news for the Red Sox is they are getting guys back. They're hoping to get Evaldi back on Friday, and they're hoping to get uh, – and sales pitching on Sunday and sale pitched well last night. We'll get to that. But I, 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 I think Pavetta has got to be better. He's starting to pitch like the way he did at the beginning of the season. So he, he's got to be better. And my other takeaway is the Red Sox need guys healthy in the rotation. And you've seen, saw that show up Monday night where, uh, where Bellow pitched and he was absolutely terrible. And uh, last night sale was good, but then, then I mean, then you look at the Yankee, the Yankee game, the reason they lost those first two games is because they got awful starting pitching. The Red Sox need Walk. I know he's on the 15-day deal. They need to get him back. They need to get Evaldi back, and they need more starts like Sale did last night. Yeah, you know, um, my co-takeaways from this weekend, yeah, as you mentioned, um, you know, kind of the rotation, getting guys healthy. Yeah, you know, again, they started four rookies, you know, this, this, um, you know, from Wednesday to Saturday it was. And that was the first time they'd done that since, like, 1945, I think they said it was. So, for them, it, it was, yeah, you know, it, it was tough. And, you know, I think for them in that starting, that rotate, because, um, you know, Wikowski was not great. I just, he wasn't aggressive at all, kind of in the zone. And then he kind of said the Yankees lineup wasn't that good, which is very interesting, but he didn't really attack much. But like Carter Crawford looked good. So, like, I kind of combined it of, I think you saw some good things from some of your younger guys. Like, Cutter Crawford looked really good on Saturday night. And then Jeter Downs played well during the weekend. Yeah, yeah, Jeter Downs played well. But the thing about the rotation is Cutter Crawford is the only pitcher that pitched well. Bellow was awful on Monday. Uh, the two the two guys that pitched on Thursday and Friday were absolutely terrible. Seabold and, like, well, I can't even remember the guys yeah, who pitched on Thursday. But those guys were horrible. So that they need this rotation to stay healthy for this team to compete because they don't have Waka, they don't have Sale, they don't have Valdi in this rotation. There's, this team has no chance – to, com- to, to compete in the American League. No, it's going to be tough, you know, and, and I know Whitlock, I think they're hoping to be back as well this weekend, which kind of helps that bullpen. But, yeah, you get a guy like Evaldi back. Obviously, say, say it looked pretty good last night. Bello, I the stuff looks there. 
it's just bad location at, at times. Walks. I don't want like, to. I think Bello. I think. I, yeah, he's young. I get it. I get it. I get it. Yeah. I get it. I, there's times I don't want to hear about the stuff when the guy's not pitching well, but I get it. Yeah, again, they kind of said that he was the most anticipated guy coming out of their farm system since Lester. Like, they, it, there's very high kind of praise coming out for for Bello, and it's something they've talked about all year. They've been waiting to watch this kid pitch at the big league level. So, you know, so, like, they're very excited about this kid, and I think it's probably going to take a couple starts, and it usually does. Um, but, yeah, you know, like, yeah, Crawford, Wikowski, that was the guy who went Thursday. He, he wasn't great. He, that was probably – were you know one of his worst starts. Siebel, he was supposed to be a big acquisition too, and with Pavetta, like he was supposed to be the bigger prize in that trade for um, Workman and Brazier a couple years ago than Pavetta. But it's kind of been vice versa because you know they were hoping, but Siebel hasn't looked very good so far. Um, but I think you know the Red Sox, it's been yeah, um, you know they kind of I think you, know, you saw some good things out of Jeter Downs as I mentioned, you know Verdugo. Um, but like, I think it, they're also like that. Yeah, they're, they're a team that kind of fights in under Cora. I know you mentioned that too. They, that team did not quit. And, you know, the Yankees after, especially after Friday, Saturday, they could have kind of just, you know, took their lumps and kind of, you know, especially with the lineups that they put out there with some, with Devers getting hurt afterwards too. They kind of just could have just mailed it in this weekend, but they continue to fight back and they continue to answer. And then I think that, and you and that a lot of that credit goes out scoring the manager that he is. He's, you know, I know the team's been, you know, it's kind of been a uh, very kind of unbalanced year for the Red Sox. One week they look really good, the next week they really struggle. But, you know, Core, Core makes sure that they fight all 162, and that's what they did again um, Saturday and Sunday night. So, yeah, for the Red Sox, tough week, but they could have really packed their badge at the first two and kind of just let the Yankees walk in there and sweep them. But they, they continue to fight even after trailing. Oh, absolutely. They, they, they did a really good job. Just, yeah, continue, continuing to fight. I mean, but no, I mean, this week they've obviously lost two to the Rays, but yeah, I mean, they needed those two wins because they would be in big trouble, but the, you definitely have to give them credit the way they fought back this weekend. But we got to go on and move on to what happened last night. And Chris Sale made his first start of the season last night. Five innings did not allow an earned run, but the Red Sox bullpen couldn't hold it. They lost three to two. But I think, the, I think, in my opinion, I think the Reds. I think this was a, a step in the right direction for Sale. I think the Red Sox should be excited. I know I don't think he's going to be the guy who was in like 2017 or 2018. But I think you still think he could be a good pitcher in this rotation, and they got to be happy of, of what they. And I think they got to be excited for what the uh, uh, on, on things going forward for him. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I thought the, the velocity again. He's not hitting 99 anymore, but I thought like the fastball is still up there, 95, 96. I thought his changeup looked really good as well. His slider, it, like it, the the movement was there in the slider. I think he just kept it up a couple, you know, a couple more times than he wanted to. But he pitched well, and I know it's a raised lineup that's really banged up. But I, I still thought it was a Chris Sale that, you know, um, you know, five strikeouts, five innings, gave up a couple hits there. Um, none of those runs, you know, went, you know, he he um, went to him there that. They gave up there in the sixth inning. But um I thought, yeah, I thought it was a really good outing for sale that he coming back again once again. You know, he's battled a lot of injuries the last couple of years, but I, I thought it was a really good out, good kind of good start for him there. You know, against a raised lineup, it's a good race team, but that lineup's not great. So I think it was a good kind of team in the face there coming back. Um I know he's pitched pretty well against the Yankees. He'll see them Sunday afternoon. 
But yeah, I thought it was a good good start. I thought the stuff looked really good from Chris, Chris Sale. And I think it's definitely a, a good sign there for the Red Sox. With Evaldi coming back this weekend, you get Waka back at the All-Star break, who's looked really good. If Pavetta can get back on track, and then you added Whitlock to that bullpen coming back probably this weekend, and even you know Tanner Houck out of that bullpen, that, that pitching staff kind of, you know, that, that pitching staff I think looks a lot different. It sounds like Matt Strom's X-rays were negative. Um, after he got hit there last night in the wrist. So, because he's been one of the better relievers. So, and Matt Barnes, I think, coming back too at the All Star break. So, the Red Sox pitching staff is going to start getting healthier by this weekend and by the time they get back from the All Star break. Yeah. Yeah. And I think if their rotation get healthy, look at the way they're hitting the ball. Their bullpen has been better. They definitely have a very good chance to not only get the wild card, but the number four seed, but to get to, to be the number four seed. They need this rotation to stay healthy, or they are not. They they could they could you know they can get to maybe you know eighty five wins, but they're not going to go anywhere in the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. They're they need to, and the division's kind of been tough for them. And again, there's no weak league now that the Orioles are five hundred. The Orioles oh, only three, you know the Orioles are in the playoffs right now or play a position. Crazy, crazy, so, crazy. Yeah, you know. So I, I think for them, they got to. Um, yeah, I think that that rotation to be. It's going to be key because I know Toronto's kind of in a free for all here, and they fired their manager a little bit ago. Um, actually, I don't know if you want to talk about that. They that the Blue Jays actually oh, fired Charlie Montoya. Funny, funny. I added it. I added it to, I added it to okay. the uh, to, to, to the show. We were actually going to talk. We're actually we're actually going to move. We're actually going to talk about that right now. So yeah, okay. let's, let's just go, let's go to that right now. Yeah. So well, the Blue Jays fired Charlie Montoya. This is breaking news because this happened right. This happened right right after we right happened after we started the show. So the Blue Jays fired Charlie Montoya. Uh, right now, they, the Blue Jays have been struggling. I think they won last night, though. They beat the Phillies. It's weird if they fired him after a win. I think they won. I'm pretty sure they won last night. It's weird if they fired him after a win, but this team had been really, really struggling. They're definitely they're, they're, and and but but I but I'm not into firing managers midseason. I'm not into it, especially for a team that has a chance to win at all. I'm not into firing the manager midseason. So I'm not. I think you should have waited till the end of the year if you were the Blue Jays. That's that, that's 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 my opinion on this. I, 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 they, they want to maybe shake things up. I just don't think it's going to work. It's not going to work, in my opinion. I, I listen. I wasn't in training of Montoya. We were debating two weeks ago who the second best team in the AL uh, and the AL and the AL East was. And you, and your, and your point was you take Alex Cora over Charlie Montoya any day, and and it's showing up because Montoya is not a good, not a good manager, and he proved it. This this Blue Jay team really underachieved. I mean, last year they with all this talent, they missed the playoffs. This year, they're only, I think, three or four games over 500. So this team is definitely underachieved under Charlie Montoya. Yeah, it has. Um, you know, I see what's up, uh, Sander. The Yankees are uh, said, how about he said, how about the Yankees? Yeah, we uh, you just missed it. We, we did talk about it. they they've been playing last couple of nights hasn't been great, but yeah, all, all year they 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 they've been great all year. And uh, is all the comment, yeah, but four games above 500 for a team that talented wise should be where the Yankees are right now. Or at least very close first. And I completely agree. And they should be. And I know, I don't, you know, I know too, like the last week and a half, their first base coach, you know, lost her daughter. I know it's like since then they've been like two and nine, something like that. And that was, you know, because as you mentioned too, right at the beginning, they did win. And that was Jose Brios' best start of the year. He had 13 strikeouts in six innings. And he finally looked pretty good last night. Um, so yeah, yeah, it was but- weird doing it after a, 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 a win. But I wonder if that front office is kind of like with the with the way the Euros are playing too now is kind of like trying to like light a fire under the team now and kind of like let's go, kind of you know 
mentality. I'm not sure because it, it was definitely weird timing. But yeah, you know, as Xander mentioned, as you mentioned, this team should not be in third place right now. This team should be right there, um, you know, in contention winning the whole thing. They should be up there with the Astros. They should be up there with the Yankees because there are a lot of people's favorites this year to win the American League. And with that roster and with that pitching staff, but it just has not gone like that for them, for them much of the year. Oh, absolutely not. And Xander said, yeah, they went all in in the offseason, brought in players in trades. They just aren't winning games the way they should be. Yeah, and they've had guys underachieve. Jose Barrios, he's underachieved. Uh, but Chef not had the – I mean, he's, he was close to making, being an all-star, but he's not had the year that uh, that, that people expected. I, mean, I, don't think, I think he, may, he might have even made the all-star team. He's not, but he's still not having the year people expected. Gurriel's not having the year people expected. So, no, I mean, Teoscar Hernandez is not having the year people expected. So this team is definitely underachieved. That's why I, 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 don't, I don't love the move, but I can understand the move. Yeah, I can understand it of the way they've been playing. It has not been good and kind of they want to kind of like that. But, yeah, uh, it's kind of been disappointing. You know, I know Vlad Guerrero got, has gotten it going. Oh, he got to do slow start. Like even Matt Chapman's, I know the average still like 220, but he's starting to get a bit going a little bit. It's been mostly that pitching staff hasn't been great, you know, because um, as you mentioned, Breeze has been horrible, you know, Reused done for the year, but he was not good most of the year. You know, Kachuchi has not been good either. I know he's hurt as well. You know, they just like after Manolo and Gosman, they have not had much. And, you know, in that starting rotation, they've really struggled. So, yeah, for the Blue Jays team, it's for a team that definitely that went all in and was a lot of people's favorites for them. I know they're right, you know, they're only a game back, I believe, of the wild card. But yeah, it's a team that I think. I thought too would be right there with the Yankees Astros as one of the best teams in the American League, and that just has not happened this year. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. So now, now that we have Xander in, in the chat, we're we are gonna we're gonna uh, continue to talk about the Yankees and their big series at Yankee Stadium this week against the Red Sox. And the Red Sox are hoping that uh, that that Nathan Avaldi pitches against Jordan Montgomery on Friday night. Uh, in, in uh, at Yankee Stadium, and Xander, feel free to comment if you disagree on who we think is going to win the games this weekend. So first, we'll talk about the Friday night game. You got Jordan Montgomery against, hopefully for the Red Sox, Nathan Evaldi. Uh, we'll see. We'll see if he ends up getting that start. But I do think the Yankees win because I, I I like the way that uh, I like the way that he's been pitching. I like the way that Jordan Montgomery's been pitching. So I think the Yankees win Friday night. I'm actually going to take the Sox with Evaldi. I. Think he comes back and he pitches well. Um, I know Montgomery pitched all right Saturday night against the Sox, um, but I think Valdi comes back pitches well, and I think the Red Sox find a way to win. I don't think it's a team intimidating, especially the way they're playing because they're pitching and they're playing McClanahan tonight. So I assume they lose tonight as well. I'm guessing, and maybe they win Thursday. But I think it's a team that comes the end of the Yankee Stadium plays well there on Friday night. Wow, wow, you got the Sox winning on Friday. So Saturday at the Fox at the Fox game, we got Jamison Tyone against uh, Nick Pavetta, a rematch from what we had on Sunday night. And I don't trust Tyone. I don't trust Tyone, so that's why I think the, this, is, this is the game of the series. In my opinion, the Red Sox win. Yeah, and right now I don't trust Tyone. I don't trust Pavetta either. Um, I'll go opposite of you. I'll take the Yankees to find a way to win Saturday night. I think mm-hmm. the bullpen pitches better Saturday night. You know, I think they get it back on track. I'll take the Yankees bullpen to find they find the final nine to twelve outs in that game more than you know, and 
as I trust the Yankees bullpen more than I trust the Red Sox bullpen to close it out. So Saturday night, I'll I'll trust the Yankees to figure out a way to pull it out. Sunday, we got the big matchup. Garrett Cole against Chris Sale. Uh, those two guys are going at it for the first time this year at Yankee Stadium. It's not a night game because there is no Sunday night game this week because of the All-Star break. So that's a 1.30 game at Yankee Stadium. And I'm going with the Yankees. I know Garrett Cole struggled against the Red Sox, but I think he's due against the Red Sox for a good outing. I think he does. And I think the Yankees win this series. They take two out of three. Yeah, I'll take Cole. I thought he pitched well besides the Devers. Like, I thought he did, you know, he was all right. He just, you know, he cannot figure out Raphael Devers for whatever reason. I think he, I, again, I think he's got to be due for a big start against the Sox. I think, you know, with all the money he's getting and all that, you know, they need they need him to be the Garrett Cole that they got from Houston that won 20 straight starts that final year. Um, I like it. Sanders got the brooms coming out there getting the 3 0 sweep. Sanders confident, but here's the thing. Yeah. And he's gonna he's gonna get on me for being negative. I don't think they're gonna sweep him. This is just too much. This is too big of a rivalry. These teams have played really competitive games this year. They played a lot of one run, two run games this year, these teams. Uh, if you look at the first series, uh all those games were one run, two run games. You look at the series uh, uh, mm-hmm. last weekend. Two of the, two of those games were one run games. They played enough. Com- they've been very. It's been very competitive. The Yankees lead the season series four three. I, I don't think they're going to. I, I listen. I I'd love to see the, the brooms come out, but I don't think it's going to happen. I think they win two out of three, but I don't think they're going to sweep. Yeah, I would love to see two out of three. Uh, I mean, a sweep that would be great. You know, to push that lead even further for a moment and try to. Especially with the O's now, try to get them out of uh, wild court contention there. You know, I know the Yankees love doing that. I love the comments, but yeah, I think it's to be very tough. Especially out court, you know, as I mentioned too, that team, they just fight. They just, they don't go away. In one of those three games, they will at least figure out one way to, to go um, they, They'll figure out one way to get it. And uh, I think it kind of cold qualifies for the Dominican national that's team after one. we found out. That's, that's a funny one. That's a funny one. That's a nice one, Xander. That, that's a funny yeah. one. I That's wonder if he'll give him the Barry Bonds treatment coming up soon. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. No, we'll see what happens on Sunday when he when he faces Devers. But we got we got to move on to the All Star game. And on Sunday, the All Star the uh, rosters were announced for the All Star game. Uh, the Yankees have six six All Stars. We'll go over the first starters in the American League: Christian Kirk behind the plate, uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr. at first, Jose Altuve at second, Devers at third, Anderson at short, Judge Stanton and Trout. In the outfield, and really, the only, only move I might have switched out, and you're talking about Devers, I would have probably had Devers playing third base instead of uh, – I would have I would, I would, I would Devers being an all-star, but I would have had Ramirez playing third instead of Devers. Yeah, that may have been the only one for me. I, I think it's a toss-up because um, I, I think, you know, Devers has been unbelievable this year. He's had a really nice year. Ramirez as well. I think Ramirez – Jose Ramirez is probably the most underrated player in baseball. Um, yeah, I think, you know – the fan voting did a really good job. I think, yeah, that may be the only one Devers instead of Jose Ramirez, but the rest of them, um, yeah, I don't really – and I still don't really have a problem with that one. But, yeah, if you gave me one to kind of pick out, that that's probably the one. Yeah, and, and in the National League, I think they did a great job too. Contreras, Wilson Contreras, uh, uh, Contreras behind the plate. You got uh, you got Chisholm at second, uh, Machado at third, Turner at short. Acuna, Betts, and Peterson in the outfield. I think they, that thing was perfect. I can't complain about the National League at all. Nah, maybe Alonzo. Maybe Alonzo over Goldschmidt, but Goldschmidt's hitting for a higher average than Alonzo. Yeah, Goldschmidt has been on a tear, and I yeah, and you could yeah, and I, I see a point too with the Mets with the better record right now, and the Cardinals kind of in a free for all. I know they they won a big one last night against the Dodgers, 
But yeah, the Cardinals have been really struggling late. But yeah, maybe the one like Machado, I know tweaked his ankle a couple weeks ago, hasn't, you know, starting to get it going again, but he's been like an MVP candidate. So yeah, another one that I don't think is um the National League. Yeah, I, I think they did a did a, it's a really um good roster. I don't there's not many mistakes there. There there's not many uh yeah mistakes in that one either. Not at all. And you look at you look at the reserves in the American League. You got Trevino. We got a Yankee Trevino as a catcher we traded for this year. Arise at first. Uh, him, him and as the guy from the Indians, the second base from the Indians. Bogarts at short. Uh, Ramirez at third. Springer in the outfield. Bucks in the outfield. Benintendi in the outfield. Tucker in the outfield. Julio Rodriguez in the outfield. DH because Alvarez couldn't make it. Is JD Martinez. Uh, pitch, pitchers in the AL: McClanahan, Cole, Verlander, Otani, Cortez, Manoa, Valdez. Perez, Blackburn, Holmes, uh, Soto, oh, and I mean, I mean Holmes, Soto, and uh, Lopez. And uh, I, I think the one, the, the one snub in the American League was I thought Rizzo should have been an All Star. I really did. I like a rise, but he doesn't hit for the power that Rizzo hits for. And Rizzo has made a difference in this Yankee lineup. And he, he has a ton of clutch hits too. Yeah, his average isn't good. But he's had a ton of huge home runs. So I would, I would have went with Rizzo over a rise. Yeah, Ridges had a really good year. Um, he's, you know, the hit for the power. Arise average wise been unbelievable. Um, you know, for the average, he's hit been really good. The one I had an issue with was Logan Gilbert of the Mariners. He's ten and three with his ERAs under um, three. I think he's been a huge part. I know the Mariners have really gotten it going lately, but I think he's been a huge part in that rotation. I think he's done a really good job. Um, you know, year two, he's really come on the scene. It's pitched well. So my one big one was Logan Gilbert. Um, I, you know, he's got a hundred strikeouts, 106 innings. I thought he's somebody that should have gotten a spot there in the all-star game. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, That's a good point there. And and he's helping the Mariners get to where they are. So yeah, Gilbert's done a really good job. So going over to the nationally, we look at the reserves. You got Darno, Crone, McNeil, Swanson, Arenado, Schwarber, Soto, and we've got a comment. Don't don't look now, but Baltimore's won nine in a row. And you know, we'll, we'll interrupt some of the we'll interrupt some of the National League All-Stars to talk about Baltimore's Baltimore's rise. And yeah, the Orioles have won nine in a row. And I think the biggest reason why the Orioles have won nine in a row is just the timely hitting. They've had so many walk-off wins. They've had good pitching. They've had good starting pitching, really good bullpen. Yeah, this is this is the this is the most excitement we've seen from the Orioles in a long time. I don't know how long they how much they keep this up, but I feel like with the core players they got, you know. The Cedric Mullins, the uh, the Austin Hay- the, the, the Austin Hayes, the uh, Ryan Mountcastles, um, and then Idley Rushman, who's good, I think going to be a stud. He's going to eventually be the best player on that team. And then you got John Means, who's having Tommy John surgery, so he'll eventually be back. So I think there is there is a future for this Orioles team. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, it's what probably 2013, 2014. You know, the last kind of run there that they had, uh, making the the ALDS there. But yeah, it's been this those team. They're you know, a year or two ahead of schedule right now. And then they got two prospects, too, in the minor leagues, starting-wise, Grayson Rodriguez, D.L. Hall, who are supposed to be the real deal down there. Um, I think it's Rodriguez, so is having elbow surgery, so I think he's out for the remainder of the year. Um, but, yeah, this, this Orioles team's been really fun to watch. They're 500. You know, Brandon High's done a really, really good job with this team. Yeah, you mentioned they, they've gotten the clutch hits. They, they're, you know – Jorge Lopez in that closer role has done a really good job this year. Um, it, it's this Orioles team, you know, they figured it, they, they, they've done a really good job. They think they're nine and two this month. 
they've been on a they've been on a roll. So it's great to watch, and it's insane that this American League East now nobody's under five hundred. You know, the whole division, the Orioles being right there um, at five hundred, it, it's insane. So great for them, and I'm glad because Baltimore is such a great baseball town when they're winning. Like that that place will fill, and it's such a beautiful stadium as well. So I'm glad the Orioles are starting to get it going now. Um, and they're starting to win. So, you know, it, it's a great fan base when they're out there winning. But, you know, you give them that trash that they had there the last couple of years. Nobody's going to show up. So, finally, you know, the, the crowd is starting to get back into in Baltimore. So, it, it's great to watch. And I know Mancini has been rumored to the Mets. But I, I seriously hope they do not start trading some of the guys. That I, I seriously hope they're, that they that they hold on this court they have. I think they're going for it. I, 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 I think they're going for it now. You, you got to. You got to go for it. You, you can't start being a seller after you've won nine in a row and you're putting yourself in a position to get a wild card. They, they can't be a seller at this point. So and, and so I think they're going to go for it. You look at the ALEs. This is one of the best divisions I've ever seen, having all these teams uh, being over 500. And it shows you it's even more impressive the Yankees have played the way they have. Yes, they've struggled the last three games, but it shows you how impressive the Yankees have been this year, that they've done it in this division. Yeah, absolutely. It, it has. And glad the Yankees played the Orioles like 15 times before they got in this hot streak here before they really started to take off. Uh, but yeah, it really doesn't. You know, I know we've kind of harped on the Red Sox and they're struggling at the DL East, but maybe there's a reason. I know they're struggling to the O's, but again, there, there's four other really good teams in this division. You know, there, there had not been, I know everybody thought like the, the, the Orioles are going to be like the Oakland A's, but like they don't have that team in the American League or in their division right now. It's like Oakland that's not even caring. Or I guess even at this point, like the Angels, where they just can't they can't win at all right now. Um, you know, they don't have those teams that they can get 12, 15 free wins. Anybody in that division. So yeah, it's it's a it's a gauntlet. I don't remember the last time there's been like a fifth place team that's had like less than like 70 wins. Like you always see in one division. It, in each division, there's usually one sixty-one team. Um, and I don't like the last time that 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 hasn't happened in just one division. So right now, it's on pace not that for that to happen. But um, it's it's been crazy to watch. And you know, it's they get to October, to August, September, and you play a ton of division games. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna feel kind of like a playoffs every night because all four of those teams outside the Yankees are gonna be all fighting for wildcard spots. So. With the Yankees still kind of, you know, in, in September, you know, with all those teams fighting for the playoffs, it's gonna be, uh, it's gonna be tough. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And they could be the team that determines who they're gonna be playing in the playoffs. Pretty, 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 pretty funny to think about that. The Yankees will be determining who they're gonna play in the playoffs. So we'll go back. We'll circle back to the NL uh, All Stars, and uh, if you look at them: catcher Dorno, uh, first baseman Crone, second baseman McNeil, shortstop Swanson, third baseman Arenado, outfielders uh, Schwarber, Soto, Marte, Half. Um, and DH, uh, Wilson, uh, Wilson, uh, you got Contreras and you got Garrett Cooper. Uh, pitchers, Kershaw, Alcantara, Burns, uh, Castillo, Freed, Goslin, Musgrove. And then the relievers, Diaz, Hayter, uh, and and, uh, and then obviously another starter, Rodon. So, you know, the only player I have really have an issue, I think Freddie Freeman should be on this team. I would I wouldn't have Contreras or, or – or Co- Co- I would have them replace Contreras or Cooper – I know he plays first base. I know he plays first base is deep, but just have him DH. I, I think Freeman should be on this team. Yeah, Freeman's a good one. You know, he's been playing really well late, you know, with that Dodgers team. They, you know, he's batting over 400 or 300. I mean, before every ice, he's had a really solid year. Um, I'm going to go with Austin Riley. You know, he's he's been somebody that's been really hot lately, especially since the Braves have really took off. 
Uh, he's got 23 home runs on the year, 56 RBIs. He's he's been on fire. And I know third base is such a tough position at at the National League level because you know you got Arenado over there, you got Machado at third as well. So I know there's some really good third basemen over there, but I thought Allison Riley deserved to be on the reserve. You know, I even made a case. You can make even a case for like Brandon Drury because it's been great to see his turnaround this year. He's at another. Yeah. Remember, remember the Yankees? Like, he was so bad. He, they put Michelle and Duhar in there as a rookie. <laughs> and, they, and they benched Brandon Drury when he was on the Yankees. Yeah, he was horrible. And then they got rid of what for Billy McKinney. And he was part of that deal. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's yeah. been, it's, yeah, for Drury, it's been, it's been good to see him kind of be able to uh, have the year that he's having. So, um, happy he's finally able to succeed like he has this year in Cincy. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So Baker May- Baker Mayfield spoke yesterday uh, in his uh, press conference with the Panthers. But be- before we talk about before we talk about Baker, we're going to hear from our friends at Shamrock Home Inspections. There's no bigger investment than home ownership, and to make sure the house is up to your standards, you need a professional to look it over. Brian Flanagan from Shamrock Home Inspections is a licensed home inspector and a member of the Connecticut Association of Home Inspectors. Brian was a contractor for over 15 years, so he knows how homes should be constructed and how mechanicals should work. What makes me a good home inspector was the 20 years that I was a home improvement person doing all the different repairs that I have done and what other people have done wrong that I had to go out and fix. So I have a pretty quick eye on seeing what's right and what's wrong. Before you move, call Shamrock Home Inspections. Before you make the biggest investment of your life, Call Brian Flanagan from Shamrock Home Inspections at 860-268-2566 or visit shamrockhomeinspectionct.com. All righty, so yesterday Baker Mayfield spoke to the media. A, a typical Baker Mayfield, you know, says he wants the job, says he's circling that game on the calendar when they play the Browns. So, I mean, yeah, he's, he's confident, and, and, and I think I think he's good. I, I hate to say it because I'm a Sam Dar- I, I really like supporter Sam Darnold. I didn't like Baker Mayfield coming out. I'd hate to say it. I think he's the favorite to get that to get the starting. I know we broke this news. We actually was breaking news last week on the show, so we talked about it a little bit. But I think he is the favorite to get that job in Carolina. Yeah, I'm with you. I think he will be. Um, as you mentioned, we've seen a little bit more from Baker than we've seen from Sam Darnold. I don't both have kind of debate up. I know Darnold. It did not help things that he was with the Jets and Adam Gase there. Um, you know, for his final couple years with the Jets and. With, with Baker, I think we've seen a little bit – yeah, we've seen a little bit more from him than we have from Sam Darnold. I know it hasn't been great from either of those two. Um, but, yeah, you know, Baker's always been a guy that's very confident. Again, very cocky, you know. Again, he did not help himself, I think, going to Cleveland either for what he did at Ohio State of planting the, the, the OU flag there in the middle of the horseshoe, you know. And, you know, then going to Cleveland and kind of, you know, playing there and – Obviously, everything didn't go there. So, yeah, you know, I'm not, I'm not shocked about kind of, the, you know, he's excited for week one and all that. I think Baker it will win the job. You know, I think he comes in with a chip in the shoulder. And, again, I don't think they're going to be great. It'll probably be like a 5-6-1 team, depending on McCaffrey, if he could stay healthy and all that. But, yeah, you know, I, I think, you know, you're going to see if Baker can stay healthy. I think you're going to see if Baker Mayfield do everything he can to kind of um, try to prove everybody wrong. I don't think that's going to happen, but I, I think you will try to see that from Baker. I mean, there's, there's Matt rules. Here's the thing. Matt rules job is on the line and Baker Mayfield's time as a starting quarterback. 
that that's that's come that if he doesn't get it done this year, it's over. So both both guys, Matt Rule and Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold, if he wins the job, need to get it done this year. So this is a this is a have to have it year for the Panthers. They got to prove that they're going to be in playoff contention or they're going to they're going to start over. They're 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 going to start from scratch. So the Panthers have to compete this year. I don't think they're going to because I I don't I think their offense is going to struggle. I know they improved their offensive line drafting Aquano. But they have to rely on McCaffrey to stay healthy, and I just don't think he can stay healthy. So I do think the Panthers are going to struggle this year. They have a pretty good defense. I think the defense is a little overrated, but they have a pretty good defense. But but uh, this is a year that they need to be in contention. But the issue is, is I just don't think either quarterback is good enough. I, I think the offensive line is shaky. So and I, so I I think this team is is going to struggle. But the reason they traded for Baker was Matt Rule has to get it done this year. Yeah, I, it's a great point. It, you mentioned, it, it, yeah, it, this is it for um, Matt Rule. If, you did, if they don't get it done, they're in trouble, you know, and you meant to, was a good point, Baker and Sam Darnold. They have not succeeded as NFL quarterbacks. They were both top three picks. There was a lot of expectation on both of them. I know both of them did not probably went to two of the worst organizations in the National Football League, but they both have not. And I think, you know, there's a certain point, too, where a quarterback can kind of elevate some of that some of the bad coaching up in, in that, and they have not been able to do that. So absolutely. I think it's a big kind of make or break a year for, for uh, all three of those guys. And, you know, and I think for the Panthers organization, since this new ownership bought the team like five, six years ago, it's been the same thing. It's been like five, six, one teams, and they really have not been able to get anywhere since their last Super Bowl run. Um, and I, you know, the, the fan base probably, upset about it all that they really have not been competitive the last couple of years. So yeah, I think it's a team that there's a lot kind of riding on, on those guys' shoulders of they got to be able to get done. They got to, you mentioned, I think it's a very young defense. Um, if yeah, like if McCaffrey can say healthy, he's one of the best running backs in the game. He probably is the best with everything he can do. Um, but yeah, I think the Panthers are probably five, six, one club and, you know, finish third in their division. Yeah, I, I think four or five wins. And the thing is, is the reason the Panthers have struggled for all these years is it's because it's because it's because they really haven't had a good quarterback. Ever since Cam Newton started to fall off, they have they, they haven't had a good quarterback. As you saw, Cam Newton barely played in 2019. He started to fall off. Their, their quarter they had Kyle Allen. Their quarterback play was not good. In in 2020, Teddy Bridgewater was average at best. And then last year, Sam Darnold was supposed and PJ PJ Walker were terrible. So. The quarterback play just hasn't been good. That's why this team has not been good. And the thing is, for Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold, I stuck up for Sam Darnold with the Jets, but he got a but he got a second chance and he didn't take advantage of it. So at this point, I'm out on Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield. I still think when he's healthy, he has a chance to be a decent quarterback. But this is the last year. I mean, he's got to have this team in contention for me to think that. That's the thing. He's got to either put up really good numbers or have this team be in contention for me to think that he's a guy that can get it done. Yeah, absolutely. I think, yeah, I think it's a really good point. Darnold's been, yeah, someone with the Jets, again, you know, Jets, horrible organization, all that, really show. But, yeah, last year, too, after week three, there he he was not good, you know. Um, you know, they, they, they really struggled. They really fell off after week three. They started out 3-0, and and that was about it. They they were horrible after that. And, you know, with Baker, you saw in 2020, he played pretty, pretty well. That was his best year, and then others – then other than that, he's not been he's not been good. I know last year he battled a lot of injuries. I know he was not healthy, and credit to him for playing through it. Um, 
But yeah, I think for Baker, if you know, because the Panthers have some offensive talent around them, you know, at, at you know, with um, McCaffrey at running back, we you know, wide receiver GJ Moore and Robbie Anderson, and you know, Terrence, um, Terrence Marshall, I think could be a pretty good wide receiver at this level. So I think, you know, I think they have some decent core guys around, you know, weapon wise for Baker or Santana or whoever wins that job. But yeah, Baker can't put up the numbers. And if they're just getting blown out and he's, you know, turning the football over, they can't move the football. Um, it's going to be it for him. And both those guys are going to be the free agents. They're just going to sit out or they're going to just be backup quarterbacks for majority of their careers. Cause um, I know they have not been in the greatest situations in the organization, but um. They have not been able to, as you mentioned, for Donald, especially him so far, has not been able to – that second chance here in Carolina, and I, I agreed. I thought last year was going to be good for him, and I thought he could turn around. and He could just be something like a Ryan Tannehill, where he could just be decent and just be a game manager and just put up some numbers. Not going to be elite, but he's not going to, you know um, – I know Tannehill boosts some games, but he's not going to kill you week in and week out, and – we did not see that from Darnold. Darnold hurt them a lot last year, and he was not healthy at times too. So, yeah, I think it's a big year for both those guys that kind of shows something that they that they can play at this level. Absolutely, yeah. Darnold really fell apart when Christian McCaffrey got hurt. That's that's when he re- that's when he re- that's when he really fell apart. But we got to move on to another team in the uh, to another another player who was former who played for who used to play for a team in the NFC South. Rob Gronkowski, who retired and said yesterday that there's no way he's coming back. The question is, do we believe him or not? I I, I don't, because I think if Brady calls him in December, let's let, let, let's come. I need you back. I think he's coming back because he's not going to say no to Tom Brady. So I don't completely believe him that he's done. No, I don't either. I'll even go a step further. Is he just kind of wait until after training camp ends and he'll just come back right when the preseason starts, like right the week before first preseason game, like right around then, where he where he knows that this is it probably for Brady too. He probably doesn't want to go through another training camp. So, hey, I'll retire till after training camp, and Brady will call me after that. Or call me after that, and I'll, I'll join the team right around right around when the regular season starts. So, yeah, I absolutely I, – I don't I don't believe Gronk for a second that he's fully retired yet. I think it's very possible he could come back. Absolutely, absolutely. And we'll wrap up the show talking about Nikhil Harry being traded for the Bears. And you, at least you got something. But yes. it's, it, it wasn't much. It was a seventh-round pick in two, in 2024. Not even next year's draft. The draft after next year's draft. <laughs> That's what you got for Nikhil Harry. And the big question is, is, was this the worst pick of the Belichick era? I think it was so impactful because of what it, what it caused. Because in 2019, the Patriots did not have a – they really didn't have a number one receiver – the receiving core was not good, which was resulted in Brady. I think Brady was still a top three quarterback, but his numbers weren't that good. But say they drafted DK Metcalf, Debo Samuel, or AJ Brown ahead of him. Would have Tom Brady stayed in New England? And could have they won maybe, you know, another championship? So this move was, I think, very this this draft pick was very, very impactful. And I think, I think it really I, I think it really it really hurt the pay. This pick really really hurt the Patriots because I think this was a pick that caused Brady to walk out the door and win a Super Bowl in Tampa. Yeah, I, I that's completely what I was going to say. I think Harry, Harry was a big difference maker, and yeah, you added a guy like AJ Brown instead or Debo Samuel and all the weapons or everything that he can do or 
just the physicality of DK Metcalf. Yeah, I, I think Brady very possibly, you know, would could have could have stayed here in New England if he knew he had no a future number one uh wide receiver, like the, like a like one of the three guys. And yeah, Harry's just been awful. Um, as you mentioned again, I it's better than nothing. I'll take a 2024 seventh round pick for for something instead of cutting him for you know whatever money. And of course, the one team that's probably has a worse wide receiver core than the Patriots is the Bears and try to take a stop. But yeah, I think it's I think it was it I think you know you perfectly said it. It's the impact wise of Nikhil Harry really changing New England and changing for Tom Brady and things, you know, possibly could be different in New England without, you know, if they picked one of those other three guys. Um, maybe Doug's Brady say again, really love when I see out of Mac Jones this offseason. But yes, if you told me I could have Tom Brady or Mac Jones on the team right now, I tell you, Brady, even though I, I, again, you know this, I, I love Mac Jones. I think he's going to do very well, but I'd still take Tom Brady over him any day of the week. Yeah, I mean, now you look at your receivers. You'll have Parker. You'll have Myers. You'll have Bourne. Your receiving core is set now, and and you got at least you got. I mean, it was not much, but at least you got something for Harry. And Harry will probably play because look at the Bears' receiving core. They took that rookie out of Tennessee. They got Darnell Mooney. If you look at that receiving core, it's not very good. So, and I'm not saying Harry's going to have success, but at least he will be on the field for the Chicago Bears. Yeah. Yeah, I think I told you this last year. The only time he was on the field last year is when they ran the football. You knew if they were exactly. running or passing. Exactly. Terry was out there or not. So or a screen. They'd use them to the black on a screen. That was about it. So yeah, yeah, he'll he'll probably be able to go out there this year and go catch some balls because they did not give him many opportunities last year in New England. Not at all, not at all, not at all. So that's gonna wrap it up this week on Sports Talk with RJ for Justin D'Onofrio. I'm Steve Risser. We'll be back next week. Uh recapping the first half of the baseball season and talking about any NFL or NBA news that comes our way. Have a great weekend, everyone. Jones on first down, wide open, it's Barkley. And Saquon Barkley will take it into the end zone. Your best ability is availability. Saquon Barkley, he's great when he's on the field, but the problem is since 2018, he hasn't been healthy for this team. Look at this. They lob it to me. Taps it in off the glass. How about that? Porter Moser, I think right now, is the best coach of college basketball, hands down. Finch, two for three, he's done his part. Finch is drilled to deep right field toward the pole, and it is gone. They don't mind not being what they were in the 90s as the best organization in baseball, because the Yankees are not they're even close to the best organization in baseball. They're trying to be the race, and the race do this for a reason. Like, you're the Yankees. Hello, my name is Joe McGuire. I'm the president of Clovercrest Media Group. And here at CMG, we have a wide variety of podcasts, including sports shows like Keys to the City, The Roll Call, Throwing Jabs, All Four Downs, and Jawing About the G-Man. And great true crime shows like Sticky Meek, Crimes and Consequences, Ivy League Murders, and Bird, The Unsolved Murder of David Eichmann. You can find all these podcasts and so much more by visiting clovercrestmedia.com.